What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to the Funky Brain Podcast. My name is Dennis. Our guest today, he's a total badass keynote speaker, coach, best-selling author, spending much of the year traveling, usually, although not as much this year, and he helps others master their lives, and more namely, their stress. Stress Mastery is the name of his game, and he's also the host of the Stress Mastery Podcast with Bill Courtright. Mr. Bill Courtright, how are you doing today, sir? Thank you for having me, Dennis. I'm doing great. Doing fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited because I was on the Stress Mastery podcast and we had such a great talk. And I think that this is just going to be another great talk and we're going to help some people along the way. As we know, the Funky Brain podcast is focused on life mastery. And the reason I reached out to Bill originally is to hopefully help anybody listening who's struggling with massive amounts of stress, which is possibly like a couple billion people. You have this simple word definition of what you consider stress mastery and what is that? So stress mastery is really when you're, the outer environment, right? Your outer world doesn't affect your inner world. It really is. Stress mastery, we have to understand that the human being can't escape stress. But what most people don't understand, Dennis, is that it's actually unnatural for the human being to be stressed out. We, as a species, are not designed to be stressed out. And for 200,000 years, that Homo sapien, which is the modern man that we are today, for 200,000 years, they were never stressed out. And the last 10,000 years, now we are stressed out. In fact, as our environment becomes easier, as it becomes safer, yeah, the safer, we actually have more stress. And that's, so stress mastery really is about being able to find the now and to be more present. And it's a, it's a state that you live in. It's not something you do. It's something you become. Does that make mm. sense? Oh my God. That was beautiful, man. Really well put. You know, one of the things that I read recently, and it was in a book I was reading was, um, you know, all of our technologies, all of our things that are supposed to make our life better, more convenient, easier, blah, blah, blah. It's all bullshit. That's not true. And it's because what the main reason, because we're talking about computers, iPhones, internet, all that stuff, is that there's no downtime. There's no downtime. They don't rest. You know, people don't rest. Uh, the, I've been studying human behavior for now. It's going to be 40 years. You know, so I've been studying it. And for four decades, we have to understand how the human machine operates, how it was developed. And our human brain and our mind and our body were developed over millions of years. And what people have to understand is that the human being is hardwired for behavior. And this behavior is determined by what's held in mind. And so if we don't understand how the human being gets programmed, how the human being works, the body, for instance, is designed specifically to support the mind. If we don't understand these things, it's like being a, a, a car mechanic and working on a car, but you have no idea how a car works. And that's why we have so much disease and anxiety and everything else. Our world is fabulous, but the environment that has been created doesn't fit 
the way the human being, the human construct was designed. I agree 100%. And I say that one of the things I, I talk about along those lines, because I love that, the way that you put all that, you know, it's like when you go on vacation, everybody says on the last day of vacation, you have this beautiful time and you're at the mountains or the beach or wherever you are. And everybody says, oh, it's back to the real world. That's bullshit. Again, exactly. exactly. that's the real world where we are on vacation. That's the real world. This world is the world that has us sick and stressed out. Yes, exactly. The real world is where you're at in a moment, right? The real world is us having this conversation. Right now, nothing else is real. And we hear great teachers, Eckhart Tolle, and, and great teachers teaching us this through time, right? The challenge, again, is, is that the construct of the human being is very specific. So when the human came out of the trees, right, and onto the plains, they didn't last very long <laughs> because think about it. They had to, they're, they're climbing out of the trees and predators are looking at them like, really? You can't fly. You have no claws. You're slow as hell. And you're not very strong. We're just going to eat you. And what the human being had, though, was a brain that could reason. And so through experiences of being eaten, these experiences developed into skills. And so we had a brain that could, and a mind that could hold skills. And in fact, every habit you have is a skill. So we would be able to reason, and this is what happens, and we could plan, and we could protect ourselves. And the human species not only survived, it then began to thrive. And what happened, people don't realize this, is we're really hardwired for behavior. And a human being, every human is built the same way. And so if we're trying to change a habit, because we're going to be going into the new year, right? Resolutions are going to be flying. You better understand that the human being is actually wired not to change habits. And the reason because those habits are held in the unconscious, subconscious mind, and it doesn't know it's a bad habit. It only knows it's a skill that's in the bank. The skill of running through McDonald's when you're stressed out is a skill that this particular mind believes it has to have, and it drives the behavior. You've been doing this for 40 years. What, what, tell us a little about your story. What got you into doing all this? So I actually, I grew up in a very abusive environment. So I was very, I was very fortunate. So I had an abusive stepfather physically and uh, emotionally. And my grandparents took me out of that environment when I was seven years old and they raised me. And when I came out of that environment, I was, I put it this way. I was so stressed out that I was like seven, eight years old. I got shingles. That's how broken down my immune system was. Well, my grandma took very good care of me. And so the way she, you know, you have everybody who has a grandma, how do grandmas fix things? They fix things by feeding you food, especially nice sugary foods. And so for me, I got taken out of that environment and then I became very obese. And, and so I would be, I'm five foot seven. I would weigh up close to 278 pounds and I would lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. And then at age 20, I get diagnosed with diabetes that was so advanced that the doctor looked at me square in the eye and he says, you'll be blind by the time you're 35. And I, and I realized that he was telling me the truth because I could look around my 
family tree and see we weren't the healthiest of people on the planet. So I went on, I would lose 123 pounds and fall into bodybuilding and become a seven-time bodybuilding champion. I would go into the military, into family practice medicine and become a physician assistant there in medicine. And for me, I was always studying why, 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 why. In fact, my wife called me when we first started um, dating. She says, you're the why guy. I got to know why everything works. And I wanted to know why I was obese. Because if I looked at it, yes, I didn't eat great, but I also was a very good athlete and I was always active and I wasn't sitting around. So with that energy in, energy out, cool, it should have been obese. And so that started getting me to look at blood work to see how the body functioned and everything else. And meanwhile, while I'm figuring out how the body works, I discover the stress response. And this is 1990. And, and it sounds crazy because how does this PA discover this response is because I was the first to put the hormone insulin with the response. It's not just stress hormones. It is a response to stress. And so that changed my career. I had a, a, a book come out in 2009 that, that sold 160,000 copies. And it started my career really going. And mainly it was in medicine, working in medical wellness and, and, and healthcare. And about five years ago, that shifted out where I wanted really to help people understand behavior. Because if you focus on obesity and you just focus on the body, you will fail. It's impossible. If you're focusing on depression and you only focus on the mind, you will fail. It's impossible to succeed. They cannot be separated. And that is the, the human construct. There's five parts of that human construct. They can't be separated. And so if we look at, again, we go back and we look at the development our brain developed a process of being able to create programs and skills. So we didn't have to, once we learned how to use a hammer, we didn't have to keep on learning how to use it. Not only did we know how to use it because it became a program, we could pass it to the next generation. And that's the way the mind and the brain work. Well, the body is designed to support the mind. So when we get stressed, the program goes off in that brain, the head, the head brain, then you don't feel stressed. It communicates to the heart and the heart brain communicates back to the head brain and creates what we call a stress loop. Now you feel anxious. The body's job is to make sure you stay feeling anxious until you escape whatever caused you to feel anxious. And it worked perfectly, like I said, for 200,000 years as gathering hunters. Now, it really couldn't fail because if you looked at that period, Dennis, we lived in clans. These tribes were 150 people, no more. So you didn't have a lot of information. Also, you, you're, the way our system worked, the human survival system, is our nervous system. And it adapted that if there was an emergency, it automatically went into fight or flight. And the body's job was to keep you in that state until the danger was gone. And when the danger was gone, the system would switch off. What happened also is the programming that I talked about, how you passed down to generations, is you had a unified belief system. 
So everybody in the tribe has the same belief system. So nobody's arguing about how they do things or why they do things or who's this. It was everybody was unified. Well, 10,000 years ago, the human kept advancing and the species went from gathered hunters and they became farmers. And once they became farmers, the game changed because now they could raise their food. They could raise the livestock. They didn't have to forage and they didn't have to roam the plains anymore. They could stay stationary. Well, when they stayed stationary, tribes merged. Belief systems merged. And for the first time, we have this separation. Also, people gathered. Now you have a lot more information coming at you. So now what, what used to be an alarm system for danger, now we're worried about what people think. We're worried about, hey, they don't believe what we believe. We're worried about getting approval and status. We're worried. We have fear. We, we, we seek security. We want to control. All that stuff happened. And now, for the first time, the human being is stressed out. It's not natural. And imagine, that's 10,000 years ago, and now you bring it to today. See, the challenge we have today is, is that people live stressed. In other words, they live within their own belief systems, their own perception. And if somebody or something comes in your environment that goes against that perception, you automatically defend and attack. It's automatic. The moment you defend and attack, you are trying to impose your belief systems onto someone else and you are in a fight or flight state. Now, if you're trying to impose your belief systems on somebody on Facebook and there's thousands of people coming in with the same thing. You're never getting out of defending attack. And what you have to understand is your body is designed to support your mind. And that's why we see a rise, a, a, a rise in obesity, but now a big rise in diabetes. That's the next big thing coming up. And it's not just because we eat sugar. It's because we're stuck in that stress loop and the body craves sugar. And that's kind of where my career is today. Today is we're launching in January our new programs. It's called the Go Right Lifestyle System. And this is a little bit different system because yes, we have to figure out how your body functions. And there's different stress responders, different body identities. And that's determined, I use blood work to do that, or I can use the evaluation to do that, Dennis. But it's really determined by how your body handles stress, how your body processes foods, and how your body recuperates. But the second part of that is, you have to understand that little voice in your head, that ego. You have to understand how the mind is playing the role because you change the body, but you don't change what caused you to become diseased or overweight. Well, then you just repeat because we're hardwired for behavior. Behavior is determined by what's held in mind. And so that, that part of the program has to be body. That has to be mind. But then it has to be a system that ties it all together so you can create practices to live with it. And that's kind of my next evolution. This will be my last evolution because as I'm going in my 60s, I think I'm going to finish. Probably not, but I think I'm going to finish, you know, but. That's Never kind of an overview that I know. It's kind of an overview of, I know it's a lot I threw at you, but it's kind of an overview of everything. Oh my God, it was such a great explanation. I was fascinated by it. I don't think I fully understood last time you said you were talking when we talked on your show about how the body supports the mind. And I didn't fully understand. 
And now I do. And it was such an awesome explanation. So I guess a lot of this is probably in the seven steps to stress mastery, which is the title of your book. Yeah, the book is actually called Slow Down. The mass, and it's the building of the mastermind. When I use the word slow down, it's actually a technique, you know, because if you're stressed out and anybody listening can try this, if you say that mantra very easily, just slow down, you automatically activate what's called the vagus nerve and you switch over the nervous system. It's our nervous system dictates our life. I call it the human survival system. There's the alarm system, red zone, recuperation system, green zone. You're in one or the other at all times. And so that alarm system, when it's locked in, the body must support that. It supports that through every single cell in the body has to be in stress. And so what people don't understand is if you just do a simple slow down or take a breath or stand up and change your physiology, you can change the mind. You change the nervous system because the body will also support the green zone, the recuperation system when you're calm. That's why meditation is important. That's why the practices of meditation, the practices of journaling, the practices of personal growth All of those are so important because everyone listening, you're not going to like this, but it's a fact. This is not me saying this. Every human being is programmed according to the environment they were born in. And again, it's survival. That's how we survive for 200,000 years because we pass our belief systems on to the next generation. And this worked perfectly for a long time, but it's impossible to work today. If you think about this, Dennis, 2008, we're in 2000, we're going to be 2021, right? In 2008, the iPod came out. Now, this is just over 10 years, the iPod, the thousand song iPod came out. Now we have the new iPhone 12. In 10 years, technology has shot through the roof. How? If you're not in personal growth and working on yourself every single day, you are stuck in the past with belief systems that no longer support the present. And what are you going to have? Stress. That's what's going to cause people to be stressed out. Yeah, I love that. Actually, I just put up a post recently is, is if you're stuck in life, it's because the world changed or something inside of you changed and you didn't change along with it. That's a fact because... If we're not present, then you're not in reality. You see, the child is born in reality. That's why children don't get, small children don't get hung up. They can be upset one minute and happy the next. A a small child can go in the grocery store and just start dancing in the middle of the aisle. They don't care what people think. They can bust out in song. They live in reality. That's why they're always asking why, 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 right? Why this, why that, why? They want to understand. Well, if you're living and the ego has conscious mind control. Your behavior is dictated, right, by what you hold in mind. So the subconscious mind holds all your habits, all your programs, all your belief systems. But the subconscious mind serves the conscious mind. That's part of the cave mind. The question is, who's in control of the conscious mind? If the ego's in control of the conscious mind, then you're in stories about the past. 
or you're in the future, you're setting expectations. Life should be like this. And when they're not like that, you go into the past and you have regret and resentment. And that's the ego. And the ego is controlling you because something in your environment doesn't match what you believe it should be. And you're right, Dennis. Your shoulds are no longer valid. Things have changed. We should be able to just speak to one another and get together and hang out. And no, it doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> your should is gone. Makes sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. And I have a story. I put it in my book too. And I tell it every now and then. But my my little niece, when I was babysitting, it was about 16, 15 years ago. She was like, you know, one year, one, a year, two years old, something like that. And she was, she was in the living room watching something on TV and cracking up, giggling her ass off, just like, hee hee, cute little kid laugh. And then she walked into the kitchen. She wanted a Twizzlers. And my, my sister, her mother said, no food before dinner. And so I said to Maya, I said, no Twizzlers. So she went from hysterically laughing to hysterically crying on a dime. So what happened was I was like, well, screw that. I don't want her screaming. So I gave her a Twizzlers and she started laughing again. So that freedom to express emotion, how do you feel in the second, in that moment? And, uh, but we're so worried and we're all thinking about like our 401k plans and what people think about us and traffic and our, our careers and all that other stuff. We don't laugh or cry anymore the way that we, we want to. We hold it in and it makes us sick. Diseases you. It puts you in disease. Absolutely. Because we never get out of that alarm system, the sympathetic nervous system. We... Again, as the human was constructed, that's why it's so important to understand that is that alarm system was designed for a hard burst of energy to escape danger. Our ancestors never lived in that alarm system because if they did, they wouldn't have survived. See, when you're in that alarm system, you have what's called perceptional blindness. It's one of our defense mechanisms. In other words, you're stuck in the problem. And you can only see the problem. You can't see the solution, even if it's sitting in front of you. Dr. Simons did that great experiment with the gorillas. I don't know if you've ever seen the gorilla experiment where the kids are passing the ball back and forth. Just Google it. And they're passing the ball and one is in white and one is in black. And the whole experiment is you're watching this and you have to count how many times the white team passes the ball. Yet this gorilla walks right through the middle and nobody sees the gorilla. Perceptual blindness. Whatever your focus is, is what your life becomes. So you only have two focuses as a human being. You're either in that red zone where your focus is fear, which means you're in a fight or flight situation, or you're in that green zone when the parasympathetic nervous system turns off and you're in a focus of growth and expansion. And that's when you can go into flow. That's when you can create new skills. That's when you can create new habits. It's also when you can solve those issues that may be in front of you. You find flexibility where you could be neutral. You go into willingness where you're willing to drop your history and go in and you can have acceptance. That's, that's how we're wired. So our ancestors had to live that way because they had to be in the now to continually forge and live the land, right? Now, gather hunters, you were thinking it would be food. No, no, it was water. 
they always had to have water and clean water. And if they were stuck in a problem, they were stuck in the roar that they heard yesterday from the woods, they would have been paralyzed. That's what causes procrastination. That's what causes us to get, you know, to become stagnant. We wouldn't survive. We're not supposed to suffer. You understand the human being is not here to struggle and suffer. They're here to expand and grow. And again, we'll go to your niece. A child grows more in the first seven years than they do the rest of their life because those first seven years, they do not have an ego. That's at the end. There's these stages of development, Dennis. They were, they were created through the research of Dr. Lisa Leahy and Robert Kagan of Harvard. And they, and they decades of research shows these specific stages of development. That first stage is called the impulsive mind. That's when we're being our first programs. We're just recording the environment. It doesn't matter what you tell a child. A child gets their programming through what they feel and their experiences. But then they go into the second stage from age seven to 16. It's called the imperial mind. This is their internship stage. So in the tribe, the internships, they were learning skills so they could play the roles out in the tribe. So this is where they're really solidifying their identity of who they are, and what roles they're going to play in the tribe. And then after age 16, every human being on the planet goes into socialized mind. You are now part of the tribe, which means you are living life through the perception of belief systems that were given to you. You didn't choose most of those, right? And so why, you understand, our ancestors didn't have a stage four. Stage four is called self-authoring mind. Why would they change anything? They worked as one unit. There was nothing to change. They had to work as a team, like a special forces team. So nowadays we have this stage four, and this is why people want to change. But here's your challenge. It's not natural. We have a comfort zone after age seven. That means that we're designed not to deviate from the belief systems because we would have never survived. And so this stage four, the moment you step out and decide you're going to change something, you better be ready because you're going to meet resistance. It's normal. And you've got to go through the processes. And here's the biggest process you have to go through for change. You must learn how to fail because you will fall on your ass every single time. That means you're falling from stage four back into stage three. And what happens when people fall back into stage three? The ego only can survive by keeping you there. And the ego does that through guilt. Oh, look at you. Told you you couldn't do it. Now everybody's going to laugh at you. And, just, and what happens is we quit. You cannot fail at anything unless you quit. And so stage four is about this consistent action, understanding the human being, and developing your own programs. Self-author. And you self-author five life categories of career, finance, health, relationships, and personal and spiritual development. When you do that, you now live your life. And it allows you the possibility of going to stage five. Stage five is called interconnected mind. That is stress mastery. That is when you live the mastermind. And people don't really understand that. But what Keegan and Leahy, the doctor's research showed, only 1% of the population one of my goals and life missions is to make sure that percentage increases because in stage five, you cannot be stressed out. The reason is you have released old programming. 
You've added a new programming. You live a different life. You have changed your state of being. And this interconnected mind puts you over the ego. The ego can still chirp, but it can't take over conscious mind control anymore. So that is where stress mastery happens. And when you live, that's why so few people get there. People go to church and hope they will get there overnight and some angel will come down and bless them. It just doesn't work that way. Or people will find a guru. It doesn't work that way. Or they're, they say some magic thing. No, you have to go through to stage four to get to stage five. And stage six, well, Dr. King didn't talk about that's enlightenment. That's when there's no more ego. But stage five is capable for anybody. You just have to be willing to do the work. And so failure is a big thing because it doesn't exist. It's not even real. So, you know, I've never, I like this year, I had a hundred talks. I didn't fail this year. I had a great year, but I had to change my direction. I had to be flexible. I had to move things around. And so I didn't have stress. In fact, I think I changed almost on the dime. It wouldn't be 24 hours. I think I already had changed my, where I was going. Why? Because I'm not stuck in perceptual blindness. I'm not stressed out in the problem. I'm looking, okay, these are solutions. This is what I can do. This is, you know, we had to return money and everything else because we had pre-sold things. It was a lot of work, but it was the best. I'm not going to say it's the best thing that ever happened, but it kind of seems like it. I don't want to sound arrogant either. That's very important to me. Yeah. Well, I hear you, man. The same kind of thing happened to me in the last six months. I went through a separation, which was extraordinarily painful and COVID and, you know, everything else in the world around that. I also had to pivot from speaking to nothing but coaching now. What you said about failing, failing is just an illusion, right? It doesn't exist. And to take this from Wayne Dyer, um, who I, I used to love listening to, nobody fails at anything. All we do is produce results. If, if you're trying to uh, sell a house and the deal falls through, are you a real estate failure? No, you go out next month, you sell a house and now you're a real estate success. So what do you do with the results that you produce? Now, if you quit, and then you fail. That's it. That's always been my, my definition. You know, I've always lived my entire career outside the box, right? So when I left the military, I didn't leave medicine. I had a full opportunity to become a doctor, full, everything paid. But I knew that's not what I was supposed to do. I have worked and built clinics in Panama, in Peru. I've traveled the world. I went into a country where I did not speak the language. And I created an entire... Uh, industry that didn't exist, didn't even speak the language, only because I knew what I wanted. I had very clear, I had a very solid plan, and I knew how to set identity-based goals, how to set the intention. So my intention was set very specifically. Well, I have an intention for my new company now too. This new company that I'm working on is, and I'll just say it right on air, I'm looking to build a hundred million dollar plus company. Well, here's where people get confused. The hundred million dollars is not the goal. It's the state that I will get into when I get that goal. This is why people will achieve goals and feel empty. My state will be peace. My mission is to shift the planet. If I hit that goal or when I hit that goal, I know I have thousands and thousands of people teaching what I have out there because I'm going to create a business of distributors, that means I have achieved what I'm looking for, peace. Now, and, and I tell people, $100 million doesn't change my life one bit. Not a single iota. Doesn't change who I'm with, doesn't change what I drive, doesn't change where I live. It, it's not about money. 
And, and it's okay to set goals like that, but most people fail in goal setting because when they do achieve the goal, they feel empty. And they're like, wow, that's it. I remember my book at number one, I was like, wow, that was it. And I didn't understand why until years later is because when you set a goal, you're really setting, some, and it's a, something deep inside the human being, you're setting a state that you desire. And those states are love, joy, or peace, or a combination of them. This is it's not emotional, Dennis. It's not emotion. It's a state. It's a feeling that we're looking for. And if you learn, know how to set goals properly, you can actually do that intentionally. That's setting the intentions. And then, so my intentions are set. That was, I know exactly how my goals end. I know the exact end. How I get there is not my job. My plan this year was to do these talks build a community, what we're doing. Well, that plan didn't go. It doesn't change the goal. It just changed flexibility of the process. It's not my job to figure out how to get there. My job is to allow life to take me where I'm going. Oh yeah, awesome stuff, man. Our belief systems are so aligned. It's but I really love it. And we could talk forever and ever, which is why we're going to have to do this again on each other's shows because I just love it so much. And uh, how do people get in touch with you? So you can contact me. Um, my website is livingrightwithbillcourtright.com. We have the podcast is the Stress Mastery Podcast. We have a community called the Stress Mastery Community. If you get in our mailing list, you'll see the new programs are releasing. In fact, I just finished these new formulas for su new supplements, new programming. We've been testing them for three years. They're all going to be released next year. And so you guys contact me. In fact, if you want to contact me personally, you can put bill at livingrightwithbillcourtright.com and you can contact me personally if you want to. Yeah, and we'll have those links in down here in the video as well. Awesome, man. Well, so, thank you so much for stopping by thank again. Thank you for having me, Dennis. I appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Funky Brain Podcast. Have a beautiful day today. Bye for now. So you can't think your way into a new way of acting. You have to act your way into a new way of thinking and being. Hi, I'm Dennis Berry, best-selling author, speaker, and life coach for addiction recovery. So many people are stuck in their addiction, whether it's like drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or sex or money, and they think they could just stop or try to figure it out on their own, but they don't change anything in their lives. Nothing changes if nothing changes. In order for change to happen, you have to change something. My clients will be like, oh, I'll stop tomorrow, or if this happens, then I stop, or someday I'll just give it up. And then they just sit around and think, 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 and hope for different or better results, but it doesn't happen. You have to take action. Action most people aren't willing to take. People don't become willing until they're in enough pain, me included. And unfortunately, they wait, and they wait and time passes by. Even if you are willing, you don't even know where to begin. And that's where I come in. In my best-selling book, Funky Wisdom, A Practical Guide to Life, I talk about the how approach. How do I get sober? How do I stop doing drugs? How do I become healthier? How do I have more successful relationships? How do I become more financially successful? And the answer is how. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I have to honestly admit that there's a problem. I have to honestly admit that things aren't going well and there needs to be changes. And then once I do that, the door opens and I become open to seeing new ways of living. And then I become willing to make those changes. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. That's why I'm here to help. 
You know, I've been working with clients for over 15 years and helping them get clean and sober and change their lives and achieve inner peace and success. If you or somebody you love is struggling and doesn't know where to begin and how to make those changes to get to where they need to be, give me a call. Not tomorrow or in a week from now when you are hungover and your life is falling apart. Call now. Start making that change today and you'll be glad that you did. I'm sending you love and good vibes. Have a great day today.